Amen. Thank you so much, Eva, for your prayers. Yes, we, we've been uh, planning this trip. We're excited to, to, to go to, to go see the Grand Canyon. Who's, who's been down to like Bryce Canyon, Zion National Park? I see a few hands. Good. We'll chat with you after about our experience and what it's like. We're going to visit some friends and some family along the way. We're really looking forward to it, though at the same time, it feels funny leaving when all that's going on around us. Yeah. (laughs) We could stay, someone said, and well, we'll see about that. And it's, we had an hour and a half countdown. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. It, it does feel like in some ways like we should, but we are praying. So if we do go and we're going in uh, with consolation and in the peace of our Lord, as uh, and who knows, we thought well, who's going to stay at our house? We had opened it up to some people and, and no one took it, and maybe that's for a reason. There's got a couple people on, on uh, backup that could use our house for evacuation if, uh, if they need it. We could end up with a house full while we're gone. We'll see. So we're praying for that. I would like to invite you to stand, actually, with me as we read the scripture. We're going to be reading from Revelation, and uh, from Revelation 21, 1 to 5. So listen, just listen to the word of the Lord. Maybe uh, imagine, if you will. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It feels a little bit like our world is on fire, doesn't it? It's coming close to home. Our hearts go out to families who have homes, loved ones, the that are evacuated. I know I was chatting with our, uh, the pastor of our sister church in Yellowknife. They've, they've left, and they're trying to, to help their people as they try to find places. This is, um, this is some live, uh, some, uh, not live, but, well, pretty, yesterday, last night, that's the fire around Shushwap, 
The red line with the orders uh, alerts, you can see it's moving towards Salmon Arm, towards Blind Bay, where we have family. Very concerning. Uh, this is around Kelowna, West Kelowna, Lake Country. Again, the line of the fire and then the evacuation order and the yellow on alert. Boy, it really strikes close to home. I know all summer, actually, CBC has had a podcast called World on Fire, as they've been, since May, seeking to unpack why, why are there so many wildfires raging around our world, not just here, but around our world. The question I want to ask a little bit is, how do we respond to this? Some say it's all going to burn anyway, so why don't we just let her go? And some wonder if we've been led astray to let our world get to this place. Maybe there's something that we should be doing. When I searched for an image for the title slide for this, I was looking world on fire images, and I found this image that goes along with Dolly Parton's new song, World on Fire. Do you know she has a new uh, album coming out this fall called Rockstar? I don't know how many 77-year-olds here are going to put out an album called Rockstar. Do I see any hands? I didn't think so. What a woman. But uh, so she, this, this is her performing the song at the Country Music Awards. And I just want you to hear just the first little part of this song. goodness, what a woman. What a woman. 77. So the lyrics there were, liar, liar. The world's on fire. What you gonna do when it all burns down? Fire, fire, burning higher. Still got time to turn it around. Wow. Just recently I came across a video explaining how the earthquakes are ramping up in Yellowstone and doomsdayers saying it could be a supervolcano that can end life on Earth. Even, even saying the park was closed just this week. They closed down the park. And when I looked into, I thought, wow, did they really close the park? I looked into it, and they had closed a portion of Yellowstone Park because they were investigating some native fish restoration, some brook trout had been discovered there, so they closed the park. So what we hear out in the world about doomsday isn't always right, is it? I think we have to take a look at Scripture to understand and gain peace in the midst of a world on fire. Is the doomsday and the fire, the world burning up, being destroyed, is that what John is talking about here in Revelation? He mentions a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus, in verse 5, when he says, I am making all things new, does that mean he's happy to throw out the world as we know it and start again from scratch? Is heaven just a spiritual existence anyway, so no new earth is needed? 
question, first question that we have to ask is, will the earth be destroyed? Is that what scripture teaches us? And I know, are you, okay, are you ready to go on a little journey with me as we explore this? All right, hang with me here. I know that we get the idea of the earth being destroyed from scripture. So this can be a little bit confusing and, and I, I want to take a look at this together. You may have heard of this verse from the KJV, 2 Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Some translations use destroyed instead of pass away even. Really hitting home what's going to happen. But to be more true we have to think of what the original text really says. And to do that, we have to consider a few things. Because it can be confusing. There's a couple, actually, a couple options of what that last phrase could be from our manuscripts in the Greek. To be true to it, we'd say the heavens and earth become a thing of the past. And the earth and all done on it will be found, is what Peter writes. The Greek, found, it doesn't really seem to fit, does it? And I think actually that scholars are looking back at this one passage in particular as one that it can be most confusing. Because a number of the manuscripts that we have have a different word. They will have the word Katazarksensentai. Anyone want to improve on that for me? You can look. Look at all the manuscripts that have that. It will be burned up. But the earlier manuscripts have Eurothesatai, will be found or revealed. Not as many. And then there's a couple other ones. Fascinating. Some would say that the copyists of the text Taking a look at what Peter's writing here would say, oh, now he, he, this one, this, whatever somebody copied, this one must have copied it wrong. And they would change it. And once in a while, this would happen. Only a few times in scripture are there a couple opportunities like this. The earliest and most reliable manuscripts use the term found. So what is found out, seen as it is, or laid bare, exposed, makes more sense to scholars, even though the KJV way back used burned up. Now, there's a number of reasons to consider this, and I'd love nothing more than to unpack more of this Greek and biblical textual criticism, but for the one or two of you that would really appreciate that, we could talk about that after. I don't want to make everyone else go through it. You can see from newer translations like the ESV that it's moved to instead of saying burned up, to being found out. That there's this different understanding. Now, when I, I want to say very clearly, when it comes to differing texts like this, which only happens a handful of times, it does not give us any reason to doubt the authority of Scripture. We sometimes, on these couple of occasions, we might have to wrestle with the intent of the original authors as we seek to see what is it that they really meant. But it does not affect the core of our faith. But it might affect 
some, some secondary issues of theology and doctrine like this. What's going to happen at the end? And we can figure out which reading is probably the original one, and we could go further into this. The fact that a more confusing topic, like found, would be something that they would want to change. This means that many pastors have taught for years that the earth would be burned up and that we're just on our way to a heavenly spiritual existence, which is not resurrection theology. That's more Platonistic philosophy. How many of you know the author, pastor David Jeremiah? He's very well known down in San Diego. We're not going to stop and visit him on our trip. But he writes and speaks on prophecy, lots on the end times. And I wrestle with some, some of his thoughts, and I let him sharpen me. And if I ever have the chance to talk to him, I'd wrestle with him on some things. But he is even one that has changed his mind on this. Listen to what he says. I now realize that I was mistaken in my understanding. And so are many others, as I have learned. I am comforted by the knowledge that many teachers who have had thought processes like my own confess to having believed that and then having discovered as they've studied the Bible that that wasn't true. Speaking of the earth being burned up, speaking specifically of this passage from 2 Peter 3.10. So why does this matter? I think it's very important for us to remember that Jesus made the world, loves the world, And scripture teaches us will renew the world. We see this through all sorts of passages throughout scripture. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Colossians 1, 16 says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And then we see ours, Revelations 21.5, where Jesus says, I will make all things new. Okay, you know, I said I'm not going to bore you with too much Greek, but can we look at two more words? Can you stick with me for two more words? There's two Greek words for new. This is really fascinating. Maybe more so for me than you, but bear with me. Kainos and neos. I wonder, neos, where, what, that looks like a lot like a word we know. Kainos is a little bit different, though. Kainos means new in quality, fresh in development. So new, but out of something. Not found exactly this, like this before. So like a renewal, whereas neos is something completely new in time, was not there before. And Jesus uses Kainos in this one, when he says, I'm going to make all things new, renewed, not found exactly like it was before. So this isn't a complete destruction of earth and we go to heaven, but there's a renewal of earth and this new city, Jerusalem, coming down to earth. N.T. Wright, great scholar, says, God is not going to abolish the universe of time, space, time, and matter. He is going to renew it, to restore it, to fill it with new joy and purpose and delight, to take from it all that has corrupted it. 
The last book of the Bible ends not with the company of the saved being taken up into heaven, but with the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth, resulting in God's new creation, new heavens and new earth, in which everything that has been true, lovely, and of good report will be vindicated, enhanced, set free from all pain and sorrow. And you might be wondering, oh, is this some new, a new twist? Have I missed this? Is this just some new ideas that, that scholars are coming up with? Can we trust it? Well, this idea has been around for a long time. Arrhenius, 2nd century, 50 AD. He says, For neither is the substance nor the essence of the creation annihilated. For faithful and true is he who has established it. Speaking of God's good creation, he's the creator. But the fashion of the world passeth away. Then there shall be the new heaven and the new earth. So this renewal motif has been around. Now, I don't know. Uh, I heard this little bit of a joke. Some people may laugh at you for not knowing what apocalypse means. Uh, don't worry, that's not the end of the world. And we're going to actually start to uh, unpack that more as we go into the fall, because we're going to take a look at the book of Revelation, which is where we get our term apocalypse from. An apocalypse actually means unveiling or revealing. It doesn't mean the end of the world. So we'll unpack that more. But So that, well, it's a little bit of a joke there, but it may be more true than the jokesters think. More than the mistranslated total destruction of the world, Peter's image in 2 Peter, the letter he wrote, 3, his image and the language of the heavens and earth burning resemble a refining, a burning away of all that is dross, which isn't aligned with Jesus. As Irania says, those things among which transgression has occurred when he goes on to speak. Now, would Peter say that the wildfires we are enduring right now, is this a part of that refining? Is this a part of the burning? Perhaps. Doesn't mean it's the end. I don't know. I do know that we've got some things wrong that need refining in our world. And these fires are a result of how we've mistreated creation how we haven't lived up to the first job God gave us to do to care for this earth. So what is the refining that the burning up is? I'm not sure, but it might, might really surprise some people, the refining that Jesus wants to do in us. I know uh, Dolly, in her song, she has some strong language. She says, now I ain't one for speaking out much, and if you followed her career, she doesn't. She doesn't speak up in politics very much, has she? She might give someone a call once in a while, but not publicly, and now she is. She goes, but that don't mean I don't stay in touch. I don't know what to think about us. When did we lose? In God we trust. And then she says, don't get me started on politics. Now, how are we to live in a world like this? Greedy politicians, present and past, they wouldn't know the truth if it bit them in the, well, it rhymes with past, what she says. (laughs) Dolly's words, not mine. 
the truth. Do you know the truth? Do you know the truth? I do, and I'd love to introduce him to anyone who doesn't know him. The way, the truth, the life, new life. I hope we know him and are getting to know him better. And his hope for this incredible world that he created. He is our great hope that can keep us balanced. Instead of saying, oh, let's just let it burn. Let's just get what we can from it in the meantime. Or on the other hand, saying, well, it doesn't matter. We're just all going to heaven, and so let's just not worry about it. And T. Wright says, if you turn Christian faith into simply the hope for pie in the sky when you die, and an escapist spirituality in the present, you turn your back on the theme which makes sense of the whole Bible, which bursts upon us in everything that Jesus the Messiah did and said. So what is the way forward for us? In the face of fires all around us, in the face of how do we deal with this? What do we do? I think there's two things that we can really embrace. Lament and hope in action. If Jesus is going to come back and completely renew all things, does that mean we should just go ahead and trash it now? I think that's despair. And our world could give into that. We could give into that. But despair is not a godly response. But lament is. We don't know when Jesus will renew all things. We know he will. But people have to suffer the consequences of how we treat the world in the meantime. Especially those in coastal lands without the means to move to higher ground or a new home. Those whose lands, homes are ravaged by wildfire. And here it's as tough as it is, it's pretty easy to, to move to a new place. If you're in a third world country, imagine your land ravaged by fire or drought. It's starting to hit home for us here. As we face what's happening, please feel the pain of those losing homes, those in famine around the world, those in the midst, in the path of fires. And if it's overwhelming, At times, let the tears flow. Feel the lament. Grieve with those who grieve. And then let that grief move us to action. With hope. Hopeful action. Martin Luther is reported to have said, Even if the world is ending tomorrow, I will still plant my apple tree today. Now, he probably didn't actually say it. it probably, that's why I didn't say Martin Luther up there. And people debate that. The first incident of that came in 1944 or something. So we don't know if it was him, but I like this idea, especially if we believe in Jesus, the resurrected one who says, I am making all things new. Will it mean that even if that apple tree that I were to plant today If it were to burn tomorrow, will he renew that specific tree? I don't know. He'll say all things. 
We could ask Jesus, but maybe. How we act in this world, not in despair, but with hope and compassion, will make a difference, ensuring that what we do is helping others and not adding to the chaos. David Jeremiah, once again, says, when we realize the earth will be our eternal home, we gain a renewed sense of responsibility for it. God will restore the world, but for now, he has commissioned us to love and care for this planet. Let's be responsible ecologists as we anticipate a beautiful future. I want to look at one, one more author, and we're almost done here. Stick with me. Caitlin Curtis, a Potawatomi woman, author, and speaker from a Christian background, addresses some of this in her powerful book, Native Identity, Belonging, and Rediscovering God. She says, human beings have been destroying the earth's natural ability, and she is beginning to let us know that our actions have harmful consequences. She also goes on to say, if we have learned anything from the church, she grew up in the church, and if we have learned anything from injustice, we know that it is individuals who act as a part of systems that continue oppressive cycles, yet those same individuals can band together to create change. Those same individuals can band together to create change. So Jesus says, I am making all things new. And sometimes that might mean him taking a look at our lives and saying, what do I have to renew in you? Maybe some changes of mindset, that which we have to get rid of for him to turn it into something beautiful. And it might mean some deep changes. And it might mean some practical changes. We've been looking at the book, Caring for Creation in Your Own Backyard, which Grace brought up a couple weeks ago. Uh, Creating, caring for Creation in your, own, in Your Own Backyard by Lauren and Mary Ruth Wilkinson. And in that, they have some great suggestions. It's things like saying, don't try to do everything at once. Don't despair. Don't make the environmental ideology the center of your faith. But do take some steps. And then they have a couple pages, just some simple pages of simple steps. And we have, I have a copy of these, these four pages at the back. If you're leaving here and saying, well, what, what could I do, Pastor? What changes? What simple changes should I make? Grab, uh, grab a stack of those and just flip through them. Better yet, take a, check the book out of the library and read through it if you want to take this further. There's simple changes that we could make. Because does Jesus, would Jesus just throw this earth out? No. He made this world, and he's going to remake this world out of what we have unmade of it. And perhaps we can join him in the joy of his renewal work in the meantime, just as we look forward to the great hope. Remember the great hope? We read it earlier. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Wipe away every tear. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order 
of things has passed away. I am making everything new. Let me quote Dolly one more time in her song. She says, oh, can we rise above? Can't we show some love? Do we just give up or make a change? Time to break the spell in heaven's name. To me, she sounds a little bit like the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 when he says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Jesus said, I will make all things new. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the incredible hope that we have. And Lord, I know that we might be wrestling a little bit with this today. What is this truth from your word? But through it all, we know that you are the one who sits on the throne and that you will accomplish your ways and your promises, that you will make all things new and that we can join in with you as we seek to help those who are suffering and struggling right now, as we join together, as we lament, and as we act in hope. Jesus, may we make a difference even today and each day as we go forward from, now, from here on, joining with you as you make all things new. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Hannah, for sharing that song with us. Isn't it beautiful? I invite you to open your hands for a closing blessing and benediction to receive what God has for you. And I'm not sure exactly what that is. I'm not sure what you need renewed in your life today, what needs to be buried and what needs to be raised to new life, but Jesus does. And may you know that even in this world, that Jesus will renew it. He is making all things new in your life and in the world around us. So go in that knowledge, recognizing that there is pain and lament with it, but that we can act in hope in the lives of those around us and in this world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, go in peace. Bless you.